Hey, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Vivica Fox, and welcome to my podcast, Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Darlings, don't forget to subscribe, review, download, and listen now. All right, y'all, I got a good guest for y'all today. I got to know my next guest while rediscovering myself on stage playing Vivian Wolf. He co-starred as a very dreamy and charming Julian Heaven in the play, Whatever She Wants. Now he is tearing up the screen as star of ABC series, Station 19, playing Captain Robert Sullivan. He was also named one of 50 most beautiful people in the world by People Magazine in 2002. He is perhaps best known as one of the seven regular cast members from the Showtime drama hit Soul Food, which aired from 2000 to 2004. He also appeared in the 2002 film Brown Sugar and starred in the sitcom Second Time Around with his Soul Food co-star Nicole Ari Parker, whom he married in 2005. I am so excited to welcome my dear friend and the very handsome Mr. Boris Kojo. Hey, Boris. Hey, babe. How you doing? I almost ran out of breath doing your intro, brother. Wow. That, I, need to, <laughs> I need to tape this and then play it before I enter any room. <laughs> Perfect introduction. Oh. Okay, can you fit through the room now? Because you know you you got some receipts, brother. <laughs> you do. How's life been treating you during COVID and the family? How's everybody doing? You know, I I always try to see the silver lining. Um, and obviously, you know, there's so many people suffering through this right now. Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're dealing with the health pandemic. We're dealing with the economic pandemic. We're dealing with the social justice and and systemic racism pandemic and it's all it's all sort of uh, exploded, and um, I, I even though we're suffering right now, I think that this is a moment that's pivotal in in our history um, because I believe that we can be a part of the solution, and um, you know this might bring us closer together if we do it right. Um, I just wish know, everybody would cooperate. Yeah. Okay, no, and wear right. a mask. Sanitize your hands and yep. practice a little bit of social distancing yep. and not deny that COVID is real. Yep. You know? Yep. See, uh, every single other country has done it. So yeah. it's so difficult to do it here. Yeah. You know, you know, Americans, land of the free. I can do what I want to do. Don't be trying yep. to tell me I got to wear a mask. You know, and then they come up with these stupid, oh, I have a medical condition. Mm, it's really? So, it's so stupid. It really is. So let's talk about you. Enough about the people that don't get it because we do. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I want to take people back because I don't I don't know if a lot of people know this about you, but you grew up in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. I grew up there. My mom's German. My father's from Ghana, Africa. And uh, so I grew up in Germany, um, you know, had a brother, Patrick, and me and him, we were the only black kids in the in the. <laughs> And uh, that obviously that that presented some challenges, you know, being bullied every day and and dealing with that. Really, there was bullying just because you guys were black or mixed. <laughs> you surprised about that? <laughs> well, I mean, to be very honest with you, I, a little bit I am because the one thing that that I felt about Europe was that I didn't I didn't know that there was such racism. But in Germany, I guess that would be a little bit different, you know. Well, you know. I think racism is universal. It's just a a, a different dynamic, I guess, mm. uh, in Germany because we were a true minority. I mean, it's not like here where you have you know thirty 
40 million black people where it's almost like two two separate societies at home we were the only black kids in our entire town so anybody who's different uh gets it so we definitely got it every day you know walking to school and 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 you know mm. it was tough and we we sort of found our refuge in sports um so okay. we know that I, I played tennis mm. competitively my brother played basketball and we both represented our country in a, on a junior national teams and then got scholarships to come here. And that's how we how we ended up in the States. I was on a tennis scholarship. He was on a wow. basketball. Now, I, I want to also let people know, how many different languages can you speak, Boris? Well, I speak uh, three. I speak, I speak, you know, German is my mother language. I can't wait to a Boris. And then I speak French and, and English and Spanish. So oh my gosh. Can you give him a little French real quick? Um, bonjour, Vivica. Ça va? Ça va bien? Oh. I love it. Now, what did you just say? I know one of them was, hey, Vivica, how you doing today? <laughs> Correct? I said, I'm blessed to be here with you today. I said. Yes. Okay. And then the other language? Uh, that would be English. Um, okay, right. Okay. I, learned that, I learned that when I came here. So, and you know, this is actually funny because when when I came here, I couldn't speak English uh, very well. So um, one of the things that I that I did in order to improve my English was to go to acting class because I was told that when you're in acting class and you learn those breathing techniques and through repetition and stuff, you you learn how to speak uh, without an accent. So that's why I started going to acting class. I never really had a, the dream of becoming an actor, but um, I I wanted to get rid of my crazy German accent. And that's why I ended up in acting class. So you're, I just find that amazing that it's like, you speak so well now that when you first came to America, how many years ago was that when you first came to America? I came 25 years ago. Wow. 25 years ago. How long did it take you, in your opinion, to lose the accent? Well, I'm still struggling sometimes when I'm on set and it gets really late and I'm tired because I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking in German. So while we're speaking right now, I'm thinking in German and I'm translating. Wow. So, so when you get tired or when you're really upset, like when the visceral, mm-hmm. visceral you comes out, uh, it comes out in your in your natural language, which is German for me. So um, I'm still struggling sometimes, but uh, I would say I got comfortable towards the end of uh, Soul Food. So season five of Soul Food, I started becoming more and more comfortable with with speaking uh, without being self-conscious about it. But the first wow. couple of seasons, you know, Nicole helped me a lot. She she would break down scripts for me. She would explain certain references in the script, whether they were about old American TV shows that I didn't know what they were or, mm-hmm. or stains like go out on a limb. That's, that kind of stuff makes no sense to me. I right? get it. I get it. But, you know, the hardest part, really, honestly, um, about sort of getting into character here in this country is the culture. Like the language is one thing, but to move and behave like a like like an African-American is very specific. Right. Yes. We, agreed. Laugh, we laugh in a very specific way. We we move. We relate to each other in a very specific way. So for someone who is from a different culture like me, uh, being very German and African, that was really the the hardest part for me to portray characters that look like they were from, you know, New York or D.C. or wherever. And to get that right was that took a long time for me.
Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morf. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. So now I want to rewind just a touch because you told me that you, the reason, main reason why you got to come to America from Germany was because you had, you, you, you got a tennis scholarship. Mm-hmm. Now tell me about that. Did you play professionally? I mean, yes, I, I, you're very um, tall. You're tall. How, yeah. how tall are you? How tall are you? I'm six, four. And growing up, I played everything. Cause in, in Germany, you, you, you play, obviously you play soccer, which is the biggest sports in the world. So I played soccer. I played basketball, tennis. Mm-hmm. And then at about 14, 15, I had to pick um, and, and I picked tennis and uh, I was, you know, one of the top juniors in the country and uh, got got a scholarship offer. And at the time I was playing semi-pro um, and um, I had a back injury that set me back uh, where I, I pretty much figured out that with this condition that I had, I couldn't really play professional any longer. Do you mind, do you mind sharing that with us? It was a, it was a back injury at stenosis, which is when your spinal uh, canal is very narrow. So mm-hmm. it keeps pinching your, your spinal, um, your side, your sciatic nerve, which is the nerve that goes all the way from, from the, the, the base of your spine to your skull. Okay. And um, you know, when people complain about sciatic pain, it's, it's really, really excruciating. And I had it every day. Wow. So, so it became a, too painful yeah. to play. Yeah. So I, I came here and I took one of the scholarships and went to VCU in Richmond, Virginia, um, which was a really great decision for me uh, in retrospect, because I made uh, amazing friends for life. And I played under a coach named Paul Costin, who was somebody who who really took um, interest in me as a person and, and helped me develop not just on the court, but off the court as well. I learned a lot from him. Uh, I learned a lot of lessons that, that helped me to this day, you know, that I apply in business and relationships. And and um, so tennis, really, I, I owe everything to tennis because without it, I wouldn't have come here. Um, All right. Now, did you do you ever have like, wow, I wish that instead of acting, I would have been a professional tennis player in any, any regrets that, you know, the, the between the two? You know, not regrets, because I, I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, I think there is a plan in place that that God has sort of figured out for you. Um, and I've learned not to resist that. But um, yes, I look, I, I mean, I'm still very much involved in the sport. I, I, oh, good. I, you know, Serena is like my little sister and, and I, I work out with her and, and um, you know, all my, my, my peers that played on a tour and I'm still very close to, so I'm, I'm still close to the sport that I love and yes. life. But um you know, I, I I can't be mad. You know, I've been blessed to find uh, my purpose uh, in this industry as a as a as, as a family man, a father, and and, and, and a dog owner in the back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Max. You know, he's a, he's a black German. That's how we do. <laughs> Max, like, hey, what's up, yo? When you go be yeah. walking me, okay? Don't forget me. Don't forget me. So now let's go from tennis to acting. Yeah. You know, for you to go from the scholarship, you moved to America, mm-hmm. and now, how did acting fall in your lap? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I got a, I got a degree at VCU and a, a business degree, and then I moved to New York. And um, I was discovered in New York on the street and by this modeling agent. And f- so I spent the next couple of years traveling the world and and working as a model. I lived in Paris and London and and in New York. And um, while I was modeling, uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, somebody suggested I go to acting class to get rid of my accent because I was. Mm. I was really sounding really German. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I did that, you know. So whenever I was in New York, I went to acting class with Susan Batson, who's like a legend in the game. Mm-hmm. And I and I studied and I practiced a lot. I, you know, when I was off, I would I would go home and three hours a day, I would I would uh, you know say phrases and and watch TV and mimic uh, people saying certain things and because like you know, what. What shows did you watch? What shows? I watched. Did- I watched. Um, I watched Up All Night. Oh, sorry, I, Out All Night. Of course. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Oh. Yes, and um, I watched Oprah. Yeah. And I would literally, I would pause the screen, and then I would, I would say whatever you said or or she said or whoever said, and I would, I would mimic that, and I would oh, try wow. to say the same thing because it's, you know this this the 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 every different melody. Okay. So, so the melody is really what gives away if you, if you're a native, native speaker or not. So it's, and you can achieve that through repetition. So, so I did that for hours and hours and end, uh, until I felt comfortable and that's how I improved the way I spoke. What was your first big acting job? My first big acting job was the Steve Harvey show. Really? What character do you, did you play? Do you remember? I played a... Um, character who was the water delivery guy, <laughs> and Terry J. Vaughn was the the. the I love Terry. He's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, and then I got uh, I got Love and Basketball after that, and then mm-hmm. Soul Food. So Soul Food was really my my first big big time job, which was such a blessing on so many levels. Obviously, I met my wife, but I also I used it as as a as a training ground, you know, as an apprenticeship um, mm-hmm. to get my feet wet in the industry. And I uh, every day I went to set, even if I didn't work, because I mm. wanted to learn from everybody who was working on the set. So I would spend a day with the DP, the director of photography, and I would spend a day with the producer. I would spend a day with the set designer, just to learn the business and. Uh, and I spent five seasons on Soul Food, and it was the best learning experience for me that I could have ever uh, wished for. Wow. Now, how, you guys, that was four four seasons, uh, Soul Food, which was the spinoffs. You see how you and I are connected, Boris? I mean, in more ways than one. I had no idea that you were watching Out All Night, and that's how you learned English. That's then right. you do the spinoff of my movie, Soul Food, yep. you know, for four years. Uh, where did you guys film that at? Was it up in Toronto? Uh, we shot in Toronto, yes. So it was two thousand. I did my television show Missing in Toronto as well, too. There you go. Yeah. So yep. it's like you know we're like six degrees of separation, you know. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now Soul Food. What was that experience like for you working on Soul Food? I mean, of course you met Nicole, mm-hmm. but you know, as an actor, you know, you just I mean, you grew so much, right? Was, oh my God, it was such a blessing for me because in in the beginning I was so nervous and. I was still so German and and they would laugh when I say certain things in a table read, you know, I would say this, the couch, sit down, the couch is comfortable. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I would say stuff like that all the time. So it was, <laughs> what it was, would you say? 
com- com- comfortable. 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 Oh my goodness. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. So I, I would, you know, I, I would, I would use every day to learn and, and Nicole would break down scripts for me and, and she would say words and, and teach me how to pronounce them. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I was lucky that they, they liked the chemistry between us and, and, and they gave me a, a serious regular job. Uh, so I spent all, you know, five seasons there. Um, which really prepared me for for the rest, you know, the rest of my career. It was it was a perfect training ground for me, and it was such a blessing to work with, you know, so many black people. Uh, I in know and behind I, the camera, and and I sort of got spoiled because I thought this is how, how it's it going to be. Okay, I didn't realize until years later that, that Soul Food was really a groundbreaking experience uh and that without soul food you know the shonda rhymes of the world and exactly wouldn't, wouldn't be in the position that they're in right now so and that was produced by tracy edmonds who we had did so yes exactly so it was tracy edmonds it was felicia henderson who, yes who ran the show amara keel was there and salima keel uh, was i was a it. On the show and a producer so uh, uh you know what um then there was uh, kenya right mm-hmm, yes Kenya was Felicia's assistant on Soul Food. Wow. See there? Uh-huh. That's what we we got to let people know. It's like everyone has to pay their dues and start somewhere. You know, here you went from the water cooler guy on the Steve Harvey show, you know, to the yep. other big parts here to now, you yep. know, worked with them like him. He started as the assistant and now he has grownish, blackish. I mean, a franchise. Yeah, with, with Netflix. Uh, yes. Kenya Barris was just it was just one of, of, of so many people who came through Soul Food. And I mean, every single actor in Hollywood came through Soul Food as well. I mean, from Alba to I mean, everybody was on that show. So we 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 really had a great moment in history there. Um that and the foundation was laid obviously by your movie um, and how, like you said, how everything is connected and how, how we have to, as a, as a culture, as black people, we have to use this as an example. And tell our stories. To, yes. And, and collaborate and, and create synergies and work together to tell our stories and, and stop giving away our, our IP and stop, stop giving away our power. We don't need anybody. Mm-hmm. We can do this. We can do this. Uh, uh, together. Um, and this was one of those examples, you know, and now you have shows like, uh, you know, Grey's Anatomy, you have yes. Murder. Which we're going to talk about in a minute because you've got a wonderful spinoff that mm-hmm. we're, we're going to get to. But yeah. I, w- I want to give you your kudos right now because, you know, from you being a someone who could barely speak English when you came to America, you, were, you came here on a tennis scholarship, turned into an actor. Boris, you have had three NAACP award nominations for Outstanding Supporting Actor. You worked on Broadway in 2008 in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof opposite James Earl Jones. I mean, come on, you know, life is good. You know, this journey for you just don't get no better. What was it like working with James Earl Jones? Uh, That was one of those moments. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Who it's somebody who's such an icon, such a legend. who transcends the industry, um, you know, a Darth, Darth Vader and, and Mufasa and his voice is just instantly recognizable uh, across the world. And he's just a sweetheart of a man who was so gracious to me, uh, to embrace me and to teach me. And he, you know, I met in his room in the dressing room after every performance and he would sort of break down the performance and give me, give me, uh, uh insight and, and, and pointers and, uh, this that was a time that I will always cherish. 
um, because I learned so much and my kids were around, you know, Nicholas was literally, he could just walk and he would sit on his lap and, and play and, you know, in the theater. So that was truly one of those moments that I will never forget um, that I will cherish forever. I love it. I love it now. Okay. So you then went from working with James Earl Jones to Vivica A. Fox in whatever she wants. That's right. <laughs> Which I'm going to tell y'all, right. we work. A legend, another legend, another icon in the thank, game. Thank you very much, Mr. Kojo. I appreciate that. Was that was actually, you know what, it was, that was funny because I remember being in rehearsal with you and we're doing a, a scene and Sophie was there. Yes. Uh, because she was always there because, you know, I had to take care of her. She has spinal yes. so she always mm-hmm. had to be close. And, and Sophie, I guess she was maybe two. Yes. And when we were doing the scene and we were embracing each other, she jumped on the stage <laughs> and stood between us and said, yes. no, 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 no. She wasn't having it at all. She, she was, was like, y'all got way too much chemistry going on yep. up here. And that is not my mother. <laughs> yep. She was like, nope, not going to have it. Nope. But then later she came to like, really, I remember holding her all the time and she warmed up. But at first it was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, she was very protective of of, of her daddy. But, you know, I'm just going to tell you guys, like that play was the beginning of me rediscovering myself and going Mm -hmm. into a new chapter because I was at a point in my career was like everybody was so caught up in my love life and this, that they forgot I could act. Mm -hmm. So I was really grateful that I got to go back on the theater, hit Mm -hmm. the road. How long did we, were we out on the road with that play for us? Do you remember? It was a while, right? It was in the summer. I think it was like three months or something. Oh, okay. Okay. Because then I went back and I did another play with with, uh, Ryan McKnight. We were out there for like a year, but three months was still long. And we were doing like eight shows a week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a grind. It was intense. It was intense. It really was. Yeah. I I had no idea. Um, But you know what? I, I remember I was so grateful for that experience because it prepared me for Broadway. Yeah, it really exactly. did. It yeah, prepared me to be able to do to do Broadway after that. So uh, you know, I think you know every project, every every movie, TV show, whatever you do, there's always a a purpose. Um, yes, every single project has a purpose in on your journey, and I've and I've learned to to appreciate that for what it is, right? Because sometimes people ask us, you know, why did you do this or that, or what was the decision making? Sometimes you don't know until later why you did a certain thing. Agreed. Uh, you know what I mean? And and you look back years later and you go like, oh, okay. That this, led to this. That yes. led to, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So now let's move forward because, you know, uh, you went from TV to stage and now you're back on TV again in season four of your hit series, which is the spinoff of Grey's Anatomy, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And you- Yes, you star as Captain Robert Sullivan in Station 19. I don't think I got to tell you, Mr. Kojo, everybody love a fireman, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I found out. Oh, did you? In what ways ways did you find out, Captain Sullivan? You know, know, we always get the best feedback from our people when we we travel, when we go through the airports and stuff, and and the the ladies with the wand, they wand you down. They go, you know, you ain't right treating her like this. (laughs) No. You better be nice to that woman. I can't believe you did her wrong like can't that. Can't believe you did that. Taking drugs. Come on now, you know. <laughs> so tell us now. Um, it's it premiered. Uh, this it just premiered this past Thursday, November twelfth, and it's on at eight p.m. every Thursday night on ABC. Correct. 
season four. How did this fall into your lap, Boris? You know, I was, I was, I was, uh, I just ended uh, the show called Code Black, which was a great show on CBS. Uh, mm-hmm. with Surgeon and with Louis Guzman and and Rob Lowe. Ooh, what a beautiful cast that sounded like! It was, it was a great show, and and it ended. And two days later, I got a call from Shondaland. Um, they wanted to meet me for for this spinoff that they were doing for Grey's Anatomy, that had run a season already, and uh, they were sort of retooling it. So I met with them, and uh, you know, it was a character that I really felt was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I started working on the show, it's an amazing cast, really. From from Jane Ali Ortiz to Jason George, um, I, I love Jason George. Yes, He's so awesome. Yes, yes. amazing. Um, yeah, everybody on that show is incredible, and it's a, it's like a family. And also, being a part of Shondaland was also a dream of mine because I I feel that Shonda has changed the way we watch TV. Agreed. You Can know? I tell you, this is what I love about what's happening for us right now, African Americans as actors, that we have you know, Shonda Rhimes, that we have directors from uh, Regina King to Tasha Smith to Debbie Allen that, you know, really know how we get down as actors and don't try to force us into roles the way that they would see a Black person. It's like, it's so important for our stories to be told by us. You also working with with Paris Barclay, who I started my career with back in the day. I love Paris. Paris. How is Paris? He's incredible. I mean, we talk every day. He's on set. Oh, please give him my love. Please oh, tell. Yeah. yeah, that's my Absolutely. dude. I love Boris. I mean, I love uh, uh, Paris and Boris too. So <laughs> you guys are saving lives um, on the screen, but mm-hmm. off screen, you're doing something that's really, really, uh, uh, it's called uh, the Grey's Anatomy crossover event, correct? Yeah, well, that's, that's, uh, that those, those episodes are great when we get to cross over with, with Grey's Anatomy. It happens a couple of times a year when our sh- stories converge and, and it's fun for the fans to, to see these storylines cross over from one show to the other. And, and for us to, to work with our Grey's Anatomy family, it's always fun. And, and, but, but what I'm pr- mostly proud of with Station 19 is that we don't shy away from current uh, issues. Uh, we talk about COVID. We talk about mm-hmm. social justice, systemic racism. Um, you know, Shonda and Debbie Allen and, and Krista Verna, our showrunner, have never shied away from really digging deep and creating this dialogue around things that are important right now. Right. Uh, you know, we represent true life heroes. Uh, these firefighters are the ones, you know, putting their life on the line for us right now through this pandemic. Um, is, is that equipment? I know this is going to be a sidebar. Is that equipment as heavy as it look as it looks? It is. It yes. is. Heavy. Oh my gosh! It, it looks is. like you guys. It's like, and I'm just thinking about you. Got to wear the hat, then you got the boots, yep. then you got the thing, and then you got to carry the hose. You know, that's a lot of a lot of equipment. Yep. And we they put us through boot camp, make sure we 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 up to snuff for for all the stuff that we have to do. But really? How much yeah, training oh, did you have to do? Oh, we have every year we we go and we have to do a boot camp and. To make sure that we are we're still we still know what to do, and because it's got to look authentic, right? It's got to be real. Absolutely. Uh, and we have we have real firefighters on on uh, we have real firefighters on the show who help us make sure it looks real. And and speaking of our first responders, you and your wife uh, are doing something called gym wrap. Well, you know we got the gym wrap. That's that is, um, Nicole created the gym wrap eight years ago, which is the best headband on the market, which helps our especially our, our 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 sisters keeps your hairstyle while you can still work out and um so when the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. you pivoted and said look we can manufacture masks so we (gasps) started 
producing masks. They're washable, reusable, colorful for, for the whole family. And we gave away over $500,000 worth of masks to our first responders. Yay! I love that. Look, in these times, we, we got to just band together and figure out how to help each other. And, and like you said in the beginning, masks are important, you know, yes. to protect mm-hmm. uh, yes. our, our neighbors. And, and uh, so we gave away a whole lot of masks all across the world. Um, yeah, 500,000. I mean, that's a lot. And then also you guys are, uh, you have a website where you're raising funds. You want to tell us about that? What, are you talking about the help, help our, heroes? our heroes? Absolutely. That's what the mask, that's what the mask um, initiative is. It's called help our heroes. And so when you go to the gym you can either buy gym wraps or masks and, and whatever you buy, uh, we're, it enables us to give away masks for free to people who really need them. I love it. I love it. I love to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's what we have to do. We've got to figure out how to get our country back on track mm-hmm. and work together so that we all can get through this together. So now I want to move on before I run out of time with you. I want to talk about family because like I said, I, I've known you and your wife for a very long time. I remember seeing your wife getting on the plane with both of the babies and them looking up with them <laughs> big old pretty eyes. I remember Sophie from when we did, you know, whatever wow. she wants and her coming like back up off my dad and then her warming up to me. Um, you, you first uh, worked with your wife, Nicole, in 2005. What was that like? Um, you know, I mean, we met, we met working. So, you know, we've always worked together well, whether it was on soul food or it was on, we had a sitcom called second time around mm-hmm. which we did together. Or then we had a, we had a talk show. I know, which I was a guest oh, on. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we work well together, you know, and we have a couple of businesses that we run together and, and she makes me better. Uh, she has the creative brain. I'm, I'm, I'm the German structured brain so it it works out really well so when when did you first feel like a little spark like you know from working with her that you kind of went hmm looking forward to seeing her again you know um in the beginning she was just super gracious to me uh, with me when uh because I was a rookie like I had no idea what I what I was doing on soul food at first and she was a thesp she was she was uh, a trained uh Shakespearean actress from New York who went to NYU and and she knew what she was doing. She had a great career and, and she really, she really helped me. Um, she helped me uh, figure out what this was all about. So mm-hmm. we became fast friends. Um, she was in a relationship. I was in a relationship. So there was Ooh. no, real, there was no um, confusion about what we were there to do. We were there to work. And then the second season is when it started uh, getting a little um, more. Heated? Yeah. We, <laughs> I mean, obviously she's, she's, Drop dead gorgeous. Yes, she is. But but she's and so are you. Beautiful inside. Oh, I love that. So when did you know she was the one for you, Boris? Um, I went in her trailer sometime in the second season. I said, "Look, just so you know, one day we're gonna be married with two kids." And I. Oh my gosh! Did you predict that? I just did it, and she was mad at me for like three weeks (gasps) because she thought I was playing with her, and she didn't think it was funny. And um, it was crazy because uh, in the second season, we went away for the summer. Uh, you know, we had a break and uh, we were looking forward to get a break from each other because it got it got a little heated. And and I went to New York to do uh, to shoot Brown Sugar. 
And I said to her uh, before we left, I said, look, maybe it's good that we get a little break from each other. I'm going to go to New York, shoot this movie. And she said, what movie? I said, Brown Sugar. And she said, I just got an offer to do the same movie. I was like, oh, damn. So we ended up in New York together doing Brown Sugar with Tay and Sanaa and everybody else. So I guess it was destined that uh, we were going to be together. So how did you ask Nicole to marry you? Um, we were on a trip in Europe and I took her to my hometown and um, we went on a on a mountain right there by my hometown that I used to ski on. And uh, I just plopped down on one knee uh, in the middle of the summer on this huge meadow. And I popped the ring and she- How romantic. And she jumped up and ran down the hill. Why does she always run from her when you run when you give her a serious moment? She's like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Don't be doing that. Don't be playing you're, with me. You're so right. Wow. One of her patterns. So she just ran. So I had to chase her down down the damn mountain. And, and you I did. Her, I said, Hey, you didn't answer me. Oh my gosh. So I got to talk about another funny moment too. You on a, a lip sync battle. Oh my God. Y'all competed uh, against each other. That was classic for us. I loved it. But I just got to talk about them cornrows. Who put them cornrows on you, brother? Was that a joke or what was that? It was <laughs> a joke. Yeah. It was terrible. But, um, you know, I had to, I had to, uh, you know, pull out the big guns because I knew she was going to come for me. And uh, so Sophie actually made the decision that I had to do the Megan Trainer thing with the, with the, with the heels and the and the pink wig and everything. Oh, and you did it. Now let's talk about Sophie, your daughter. Uh, yeah. She was diagnosed with spina bifida uh -huh. at birth. Um, how is she doing now? Because I can remember. Great. Good, because I can remember when we did uh, the play. You were always giving her massages. She was just such a hands-on and awesome dad. Well, we wanted to give her a chance for the for the highest quality of life. Yeah, and. Um, you know, she was born with spina bifida and she she has no bladder functions. So we had to catheterize her um, every three hours, night and day. Uh, and to this day, that's what we're doing. And obviously she does it herself now. She's oh, really? Super, oh, yeah, yeah, she does everything. Wow. She's, she's totally independent. She's super smart, speaks three languages. Uh, yes, Sophie. And it's beautiful. Oh, now, how, how, are you, how are you guys handling uh, homeschooling during now? You know, luckily, the kids have been um, with Dwight Global for a year now, which is an online program based on the school in New York City. And uh, they do make their own schedule. They meet with their professors every day for okay. like two hours. And then they do their assignments every week. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a school that prepares them for college. Mm -hmm. uh, it teaches them time management and, and discipline. And, you know, with their, with their schedule, with piano and art class, and Nicholas is like a superstar athlete and so. yes nicholas with your fine self too so, now, so, he is yeah, they have beautiful children y'all i'm telling you i mean this family when they come rolling through it's like watch right. out okay so last two questions uh you have a fashion company with your brother patrick called mm -hmm. world of alpha i remember that back when we were doing the play how's That's that right. doing we're doing good um you know this this is a new age with everything is online so yeah uh, back then we we did something that nobody else had done before now there's there's more and more people popping up with online with online uh, uh custom made shops but it we had a leg up so we're doing great um coming up with new stuff all the time and uh, my brother's been a great partner of mine for as long as we've been alive really <laughs> so where can, where can people find the world of alpha world alpha of alpha worldofalpha.com okay uh, com, and then kofit cofit.net as well. This is the, the fitness company that we started uh, to help people. 
So last question for you. How do you balance this all out now, being a father, doing a uh, a TV show? You film your TV show here in L.A.? Yes, thank God. Thank yeah. God. I know I filmed Empire Chicago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I know what that's like, you know, going to the cold. It's like you're happy when you can be home in the family. Yep. So, you know, but how do you balance this all? Um, I prioritize. I don't balance. I, I balancing is hard when you have 20 balls in the air. You always, you're always going to drop a few. So mm. when I prioritize, I only have two balls that I'm balancing and then I put them down and I pick up two other balls. Right. So yeah. family, family, obviously family's first. I make sure that they're healthy and taken care of. And, um, and that's where, that's where my happiness is. Um, and then the rest comes after that. So, uh, you know, we, we live in a crazy time right now. There's so much going on and it's very important that you take care of your, of your mental health and your yes. spirit. And Absolutely. so I, try, I have a, I have a daily routine, you know, from, from meditating and praying to working out, making sure that I eat healthy and, and, um, and that I have my space for myself. You know, well, I, I just want to let you know that I participated in a couple of them five minute videos. So there you thank, go. You, thank you for that quick, quick uh, workout. Well, that leads us perfectly to today's hustle hack. Today's hustle hack is hashtag be the hero. What ways can you change the life of a family member or a friend? We must care about our communities and our children. Mm-hmm. Always try to stay positive despite your circumstances. People need you. They need your help. Reach out and stay strong. Like my my special guest today is the very handsome Boris Kojo, who I thank, my friend. I thank you so much, my friend, for doing oh, my podcast you. today. Tell, tell everybody, where can they find you on social media? Boris Kojo. In on all platforms? All platforms, Boris. You you ver- verified got your blue check. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you so much for doing hustling with thank Vivica you. A Fox. Please give the family my love. Tell them thank I said you. hello and happy holidays. Much can, love to you. Thank you. No doubt. Okay, darlings. Subscribe, download, and listen to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Until next time, darlings. Bye for now. Mwah. The Hustling with Vivica A. Fox podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during the podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.